Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So WBDC is next week. We are super, super excited. I know I am. Like this, this to me, this is like the biggest event of the year for me because I, I don't watch any sports or anything. This to me, this is my Super Bowl. This is everything. This is everything Apple's going to lay out for the next year in software. It affects so much of what our jobs will be. Sometimes they you know, tease some new hardware too, but this is mostly a software-focused event. And so I am just so excited for this. Yeah, and it's like it's like uh, like Apple Friends Thanksgiving, where we all get together and, <laughs> in, in one place and like get to see each other, which is also kind of nice. Um, yeah, that's like, true. It, it is both the the spectator spectacle of it. There's the work aspect that just like it dictates what I'm going to do, how busy I am going to be this summer, like if I'm you know uh, uh, how much I can. It's like work on new stuff or be changing old stuff, and then plus yeah, it's just being spending a week in San Jose you know, with all my Apple friends. I think I, I think that worked out. This is the 11th year I'll be going to WWDC, um, which is kind of amazing when I think about. Like, it's, you know, I've been go, going for essentially as, you know, like as basically as long as my son is old. And, like, he's pretty old. He's, he's in upper elementary school now. So, it's like, WWDC has been a part of, you know, his entire life. And as a result, it's kind of, an, you know, an important part of my life as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, coincidentally, I, this is also my 11th year there. And, uh, and yeah, it's, I just, I love it so much. And so anyway, uh, we decided this week, you know, a lot of our podcasts and everything are doing like predictions and everything for what's, what might be announced in iOS, what kind of hardware might come out. We're going to focus our WBDC episode or our pre WBDC episode on our wish list for what we want from an API perspective. So as developers, like what kinds of API additions or changes are we looking for from the platforms to make our jobs easier, to make our apps better, et cetera. Yeah, and I think too, it's fun for us to look at, yeah, at a, perhaps at a lower level than many of the other tech podcasts might look, because obviously that's that's what we do. We we, we get more into the weeds and at a, bit, at a bit more of a technical level. But like, I'm kind of imagining like every year at at the the platform State of the Union, which is the big event after the you know sort of there's the keynote in the morning, and they have like a two hour break for lunch, and then they have the platform State of the Union. And what I always find really fascinating is during that there'll be certain points when people are cheering and like losing their minds over ostensibly really small or minor changes to things. Like there'll be a, some tweak in Xcode that everyone goes wild for. And like, those are the kind of things that I'm kind of trying to, trying to think about, like, what would I be cheering for if they announced or changed or tweaked um, and announced at the platform state of the union? Like this isn't the stuff that they're going to announce in the morning, which is all the big user facing features and cool stuff like there. Like this is much more, you know, for us, for, for developers. So for me, I think my very first thing is something that, you know, a lot of my wishes are more specific to Overcast and to my specific needs. But I think this one would be one of those things that would get literally every single person in the audience to cheer. I want to eliminate the need for as many of my UI table view hacks as possible. <laughs> yes. I, like, I feel like UI table view hacks have been the bedrock of iOS development since day one, 10 years ago, or whatever it was, 11 years ago now, yeah. whatever it was, like, we all have had to do crazy hacks to get UI table view to do what we want. And over time, they have made it better. They, ha- they have certainly, like, reduced the, the amount of hacking we need to do for common things. But there's still a lot of common things that are that end up being really hacky in UI table view. And so one one thing I think, like, you know, right on top of this list is... There needs to be better and more straightforward support for auto layout everywhere in UI table view and UI collection view. 
right now like there's some places you can use it there's some places you kind of can't or it's really hacky to use we need better auto layout support in table view and collection view we also like so many apps do things that are a little bit more dynamic like in overcast i have basically an expanded state for a table cell so when you select an episode in a list it expands by default and pre- presents buttons along the bottom kind of like, like tweetbot does the same thing i kind of stole it from them like it, you know you, you tap it and it expands and so therefore it has to change sizes depending on its state um so that that is really hacky right now i would love to make that less hacky um also the entire the, the way the drag and drop system interacts with collection views and table views especially table views is really weird and hacky and and it basically requires a lot of code and state management and weird edge case handling in our view controllers and i would love to get rid of that code i would love for the platform to be able to do more of that with less hacking and there's also an extra reason for this you know obviously like the big thing i'm hoping for really is marzipan and maybe we'll get to that but when you're dealing with the same code base going between these two platforms, one of the rumbly rumors we've heard is that there's going to have to be some kind of dealing with like selection. Uh, you know, if, if you think about like how a table view or a collection view would work on the Mac, you need to deal with things like keyboard navigation, having you know up and down arrows navigating up and down the list. It, what if you hold down shift and you select down? And you select you can you select multiple things at once using the keyboard or, or drag a box around them using the mouse. All of these things are going to require, I, I think, more use that conforms to the system APIs and less hacking to make it work right, uh, especially if you want the same code to run on iOS and Mac. And so the more the built-in functions can do without us having to write all these hacks, the better not only for us and our apps and our sanity, but also the better sharing between the platforms that can be achieved that way, Like especially as the stuff comes to Mac. Yeah, and I feel like, too, the UI table view, it's this weird, it's like they gave us UI collection view, which in many ways you could say, like, well, that's the super flexible, like, you can write a complete layout manager if you want, um, and, like, you can do everything you want with that. Like, why don't you just roll your own if you sort of want to go down that road? But I feel like there's this, the table view is so such an, like, essential part of iOS development that there is a benefit for the platform if it got a modern take on its like most essential widely used control and i think that would be beneficial to the platform like it's kind of amazing in many ways that many of the behaviors and attributes of ui table view are there from like iphone os 2.0 that the editing state and the like red buttons that appear and all the, the, the there's lots of things that feel kind of old um, for lack of a better word like they're they still work and it's kind of amazing how this api has been able to you know sort of carry itself forward for so long but yes i would love for to see kind of a um a a modernization of that and that i think would definitely make sense as they sort of seek to make the platform work across more computing devices and for a table view or collection view to be used in more places um to kind of standardize in a you know, in a better way with a better API that just lets us do a lot of these things that I think are very standard behaviors. Like having table views that expand and contract is a very common behavior now. Making that a native experience rather than something weird with hacks that inevitably leads to these weird states where, you know, you have some row that is, it's like it's, height is the expanded height, but it doesn't have its expanded content because something didn't get updated correctly. Like making that a first class experience, I think would be a huge um, win. And it's it's hard to think of an of a API or or you know like a, a class on on the OS that is more frequently used in apps than that. Like yeah. 
pretty much any app that is not a game and even many games like almost every app especially on games have a table view somewhere in them if you talk about like bang for the buck like how much value can you give the developer community in improvements to certain apis like it's hard to find a bigger target than ui table view for the combination of quite how frequently and extensively it is used and how often we have to resort to bad hacks to get stuff done so anything that can fix that, I think, is it will have a huge payoff in the community, and I certainly want it myself as well. So top of my list um, of these kind of changes is a improvement or change in app icons um, and the way that we provide them to the system. As it stands right now, like especially if you sort of get into alternative icons, like we provide the system with something like twenty different sizes um, if you support. Um, the, both the iPhone and the iPad um, of you know, sort of different sizes of the iPad. Like in your, some of them are like shockingly similar. Like you'll have two of them that are di- differ only by one or two pixels, but for some reason we have to provide both of them. If you do provide alternate icons, like right now, you know, some apps have up to like 16, 17 alternative icons. And so I have 16, 17 times the 20 icons. Like it just, something seems wrong there. Um, and I, and, and we're writing to like I always kind of it's, you can tell that you're using they're kind of using these old APIs that really aren't intended for the modern uses and the flexibility we have with icons where um, like you have to specify the includes gloss um, key still <laughs> when you specify like app icons one of the keys you have to specify in it is that like which is something that if you remember way back in the day you could either bake in the gloss effect that you were supposed to have on your icon where it was kind of you know shaded light on the top and then darker on the bottom um, or the system would apply that for you and like that hasn't been in you know been in ios for years but it's still kind of part of the system and i would love to see some kind of modernization with with within that that i'm not having to sort of bake and export just literally hundreds of these files um, which is both just seems silly from a um, sort of size perspective that you know I'm, i'm including these assets that are so similar and are largely just scaled versions of each other like for them to move to some other for file format potentially or just doing something better here and i don't know exactly what that is um that's up to them to decide but you know if i can provide like an svg and then i can overwrite it for particular ones if i care or something like that would be a a massive improvement and just make the process of kind of handling app icons and alternative icons uh, much better because especially like alternative icons seem to be something that customers just really like like i've gotten a lot of positive you know reaction to them but the actual process of managing them just is super cumbersome. So a very low-level API change that I would love to see. And it also like that would also just improve whenever you know every fall comes around and there's new devices that come out and there's frequently new screen sizes or new form factors or whatever else. And so every time one of those changes, or every time Apple just decides that the new OS has a new design for like let's say like the icon in a notification is now two pixels bigger, and so we have to then create those icons <laughs> again at that yeah. new size. And like so, there's frequently a need for not only not only are there already a ton of sizes, but there's frequently a need for new sizes. And so that would just like it would just reduce all that busy work that we have to do fairly frequently in the Apple world. So yeah, I agree. That's that's a good one. We are sponsored this week by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. You can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server 
or deploying a complex system, Linode is where to go. I have, you know, for, for my blog, I have one server, and that's, a, that's its own account. And then I have, for Overcast, I have, I think, about 25 servers now. And everything in between I, I've seen and used, and it is just wonderful. Linode is perfectly scaled whether you want just one, just one server for a simple thing or whether you're running something very complex that needs has high needs, high demand. Linode is great for all of it. I've been with them for about eight years now, and I just cannot say enough good things about Linode. They offer the fastest hardware network. They have outstanding customer support. If you ever need help, it is super easy to launch a Linode cloud server. They also now have block storage. They have new data centers coming up all the time, and they're hiring. If you want to learn more and check out what they're hiring, go to linode.com slash careers. Now, on their hosting side, they have amazing pricing. This is one of the reasons I've been with them for so long. They're the best value I've ever seen in web hosting, especially on an ongoing basis. So their plans start at just $5 a month. That gets you an instance with one gig of RAM. And they have all sorts of resources and specialties above that if you have bigger needs than that. As a listener of the show, you can go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code radar2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the one gig plan, that could be four months free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash radar, promo code radar. Radar 2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So my big next thing, you know, obviously, I mean, let's just say Marzipan, right? Like we, we, we both want Marzipan. We're looking forward to it. We've done episodes on that already, so I don't think we need to cover it much here, right? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it is, and I think it overhangs so much of what we're kind of expecting to be happy coming this year is it is both that technology and that platform and what that's going to mean as well as i think i have tremendous curiosity for all of the little like like effects that it's going to have that ripple out through the other platforms because lots of these things are suddenly going to have different like there's going to be different changes to like we're saying with ui table view or you even start to think about all the basic controls like sliders and switches and all of you know, these things that are designed with touch in mind and the tap targets, like there's so many changes that are going to kind of ripple out into all the APIs in order for this to be a platform that kind of makes sense. And so it's, you know, I think that that's definitely like, that's the shadow that overhangs all of WBDC this year. Exactly. So more specifically than that, I want to eliminate watch connectivity. Yes. <laughs> this is this is the framework. Now, I I have a lot of wishes on watchOS. I, I wish for the entire replacement of WatchKit with actual native UI that Apple uses, but sure. I, that, that seems like it's too much to ask. I want custom watch faces. That seems like it's too much to ask. So I'm going smaller. I want to get what I need to significantly reduce or eliminate my use of watch connectivity, which is the framework there which is, the framework that is used for the phone app to communicate with the watch app and vice versa. Watch connectivity causes me a lot of stress, a lot of problems. It is for Overcast. It is the framework that both communicates the state of the iPhone app if you're playing it and using the watch like as a remote. It communicates back your button presses, and it also is responsible for the file transfers that happen between the the phone and the watch. Uh, you know, if so, if you're if you have standalone watch uh, playback for Overcast, those file transfers happen over watch connectivity, and this has been the source of. A lot of just shortcomings, bugs, performance problems, bad behavior, confusion for users. So often, watch watch transfer problems are are only solvable by like rebooting the watch and the phone, 
and then they suddenly start working again. Like it's just it's just a mess, and it's been a mess since the Apple Watch first came out. And so I don't think they're really putting a lot of work into it. I don't think it's going to ever be reliable. So I want to get rid of it completely. I want to I want what it takes to have my Apple Watch app only use watch connectivity if necessary for the the phone to watch communication and get rid of the file transfer aspect completely because that's the worst part. So my goal here is to make the watch a standalone app for local playback. So it would communicate with Overcast sync servers itself. It would be able to play and download the files locally itself. And and that's so what I need to do that Basically, I, I need like you know reliable background downloading, which I think it already it might already have. Um, but I need a few more things for my audio engine to really work. Like for me to actually offer a good audio experience on the watch, I really could use uh, a few more audio APIs there. So that's what I really need, and it could it, it could take pretty much any form. Like it could take you know uh, the the, the low level stuff for decoding audio files, like ext audio file, audio file open stuff like that. Or it can do it can be higher level. It can be AV audio engine based, but most of that is not on WatchOS yet. So that's what I want. Give me what I need on WatchOS so that I can eliminate watch connectivity as much as possible. Yeah, and I think the the key thing in my mind for what we need to replace or improve uh, watch connectivity is for it to not be so horrifically throttled. Like so yeah. many of its problems and the things that you, like you said, like, you know, do having download, having background file, file downloads, like is something that exists in the system. But the issue you have is that they are, um, horrifically slow, like it is, and incredibly inconsistent. So it isn't like, like if it was just always slow, like that would be one thing, but sometimes it's really fast and sometimes it's really slow and it's very inconsistent as to you know what you're what you're doing. And sometimes the best advice is like the advice we get is like put your phone, put your watch on the charger, and then it will go faster. Which like it, which it's works the, about two thirds of the time. <laughs> it, it doesn't work every every time, which is a a problem. And then two, it's like that's why like the watch is very capable. And I understand I'm sure it's like it's maybe it's battery life or whatever it is. And but it means that there are so many use cases and issues and like your whole system that with background file transfers is because like file downloads are super slow and i ran into this with work i've done where it's like the funny thing is it's only because of watch connectivity that this is slow like that because so everything is going through the watch um, and like transfers over bluetooth and wi-fi on watches are just super throttled super slow and then the amusing thing is if you take if you go out with an LTE watch to somewhere with like leave the phone behind, go out and walk somewhere else that has no Wi-Fi, all you have is LTE. Down, you can download from the internet at like full speed, and you get like nice <laughs> blazing LTE data. And it's like, why, why, why can I only get this in the situation where I'm like farthest away from my phone and in this like very edge case situation? I, like this should be the primary use case that if I have a file that I want, you know, a user has said they want to move something onto their watch, it should go at full speed and i understand there's battery life but like i think it's there's so many use cases that are being held back in the watch because of this that it, it's ultimately it would be better for the platform for battery life to be a little shorter but its utility to be dramatically better and so exactly like that is i would love to say either say goodbye to watch connectivity or for it to just if it, if it worked in such a way that i didn't notice it um, then it's like at that point, okay, great, we can keep it and it's fine. But otherwise, yeah, replace it with something better or just do something to make it so that it, it isn't so painful to move data back and forth um, between the watch and the phone and, you know, so 
like just yeah inconsistent is that yeah, and, and like for me like like the number one thing it could do is give us a flag on the file transfers to say only transfers over wi-fi because I think almost everything that it's doing is power saving, trying to do as much transfer over Bluetooth as possible, and only if Bluetooth is not available, then it falls back to Wi-Fi or cellular. And that it's, it seems to be that logic that is causing most of the problems, because Bluetooth is way, way slower for data transfer than Wi-Fi and cellular. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so most of the problems seem to be related to that kind of power management logic, whereas if they just let us, like, okay, look, here's a, here's a file transfer, let us transfer it over Wi-Fi if I say if I say so. Like the user specified to do this, just do it. And if it offered us that ability, that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, or, and, and there's all kinds of in the same way that I there like watch apps get special abilities when they're um, when they're a workout app, and like you ask for the, an entitlement, and you you know sort of have if when you're in that, then you can kind of elevate yourself into a mode where suddenly you run all the time, and you have way bigger th- you know thresholds and quotas, and like everything gets increased. Like make that part of the system too that you ask for like a file transfer entitlement that you kind of you know that presumably they would vet and look at a little bit more closely when they're doing review to see that make sure that you're doing it in an appropriate way that you know it isn't every time in overcast that you it's like that you're just constantly sending files over or you know completely destroying the battery i mean i remember they used to do this with the iphone that if you used to download too much data too quickly they would reject your app from the app store like that was a thing that they used to do you could do the same thing here but like make it this thing that you can say or it's a user state thing that if you know there's a way for a user you know to initiate this that if you start a transfer while the app is in the foreground then that gets extra ability versus something that is just purely happening in the background or whatever but yes like make this make this not so crazy all right what's up next for you so i think i can follow along with the watch os um with Something that I think, so I've, I've given up hope in many ways that it will have custom watch watch faces this year. I just, it seems unlikely. Um, I will always, I'm just, I will continue to make them. I've, you know, I continue to make watch faces. Like I've made, um, you know, since whatever last fall when I, beca- I kind of went on like this vision quest of making watch faces, I continue to do it to this day. Like I have an idea and I make it and that's fun. And I look forward to the day when that, um, that skill will come back to be actually be a useful thing. But what I would really like to see, and I think is probably a more realistic change, is a sort of dramatic improvement to the flexibility of ClockKit, which is the uh, complication system that we have in watchOS. Because as it stands right now, it is something that is clear. Was, it was built, I think, very much for the early, um, it's like for the complications back when, um, like time travel was a thing that, yeah, like you did all the, you do all this stuff with uh, like dynamic timelines and you specify data ahead and the behind um, of the current time so that it can kind of do time travel back and forth. And there's just all of these things in the complication system that feel very, um, I mean, it's like just static. And I understand there's a, there's a desire and a need for it to be somewhat static that because the data needs to be immediately available to the user. It isn't something that you can kind of, as soon as, as the user is raising their wrist, you call into the application and ask for the current display because that would take too long to show that data to the user and you don't kind of, that's not the experience they necessarily want. But there's so many things in, in ClockKit that I think could be better. I mean, one that is just seems really obvious is even if you had the same system you have right now, but allowing apps to to provide multiple complications um, of a particular family or type. Um, that's just something that we just can't do right now. So if a user, for example, wanted you to have two slots on a 
you know, on the modular face where you have those rows of three, you know, with three slots and say you wanted to put two there, like imagine you're a weather app and you want it to be able to display both the, um, the temperature and the uh, likelihood of precipitation, for example, like there's just something that like you just can't do right now because if for a particular device complication family, you can only export one value, um, at a, at a, at a time. It's like, that's a very minor change, but I would love to see that because there's so many things that you can kind of imagine that you could make that experience so much more rich, um, for, for a user. And similarly, I think there, if we can have just more, more types, like I feel like so many of the complication types are so limited and tied down and use the weird two part image system, which, I never really understood why they did that, like vaguely for consistency, where you ha- you know you can have only two colors um, at any time in your images for anything other than the infograph types, and one of them has to be white, um, and you can't have transparency or anything like that. Like there's all these strange limits that feel like you know they're kind of hold holdouts from a pr- an earlier time when um, ClockKit was first getting started, and when they had a different thing for it in mind. Whereas I think now complications are a very primary, if not the most primary um, interaction that a user has with a watchOS app. And so that system could benefit a lot from getting a lot, lot better. Going to a uh, slightly larger view, (laughs) my next thing is I would love, partly for Marzipan, partly for just iPad, a three-column split view that we can use. Nice, yeah. Because when you look at like, you know, so many apps, you look at the the iPad versions and they kind of need a three-column split view. And when you think about when they move to Mac, they're going to really need a three-column split view. It's such a common interaction pattern among Mac apps that, you know, we, we already have the two-column one. It's fine. It's very limited. Like the, the API for it's very limited. There's rumors that it's going to be improved. But I haven't heard a single rumor saying that they're going to also have a three-column option. And I wish they would. Uh, that's it. That's a nice, simple one. And I think, too, it, there's so many... Th- like really cool, flexible layouts of that type that you could imagine and that people make where, you know, it's like, and you in making it variable width where you can change the widths of things dynamically or swipe in. Like there's so many cool things. And I think many of these, you I mean, it's like you definitely see it on the Mac a lot. Um, but it does seem like something that is kind of just kind of an obvious uh, need and would yeah it would, would, be, would be useful in so many cases and like because ios development is so often based on navigation controllers like which is functionally in some ways like multi-column layouts like you're just pushing from view to view to view like it seems like such a it seems such an obvious thing um, for them to do and maybe it even isn't is if in many ways it would be even better if it wasn't just three it was just you know like multi-column layout and you can decide however you however many you want and it'll just handle it would be even um even better in that score that's a good point yeah because like because as you mentioned like there is a very close relationship between navigation controllers and split views like because so often the pattern is you you show in the right side of the split view the topmost controller in a navigation stack and if you collapse the app down to more of a phone size then it'll Recollapse onto a single navigation controller instead of having these two different sections, and so a three pane version has to do basically the same thing. Of like, if there's room for one pane, you show it in one big stack. If there's room for two, you show it. You know, you show the last one on the right, etc. And so there, the same logic going to three, I think, would be obvious and and a very easy thing to put into the system split view controller. And the good thing is, like, this is one thing that is fairly easy for third parties to write. 
you know, we don't have as much, uh, like we don't have any access to any private navigation controller APIs that might be necessary to do some of this stuff more gracefully, but we can do it. Like Overcast Split View Controller is 100% custom. It is not a UI Split View Controller at all. It is totally custom because I needed some more of this control. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so to have that built in would be wonderful. Yeah, and I think that just the uniformity would be great. I've built my own UI split view controller as well for the same reason. Like it's just there is it's like the, the current one we have doesn't do enough, and so everyone writes their own, which means that users have to learn how to use each of them, and they all behave slightly differently, which was is never quite yeah. as good of an experience. And again, now that we're coming to the Mac with all this stuff, it's really important to have it work you know, perfectly and, and as expected on the Mac as well. And the more complicated the problem set becomes here, the, the less likely it is that each app is going to do it well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one quick thing I just wanted to mention. I, would, I ho- thought that I would get used to it. And this is not an API change. This is an Xcode change. Um, I thought I would get used to it. I have not. The new interface builder, uh, like control picker where you have to oh yeah you have to like search you have to click on it and then like search around and like in this floating window that then goes away and you if you want to drag two things in you have to click the thing twice i thought i'd get used to it it's a year later i have not gotten used to it i still (laughs) hate it every time i use it i would love to have the old one back thank you yeah me too and finally i also would love audio intense full-blown audio siri kit intense for picking things by a search you know audio intense with variables in them like anything like that that would help variables in programming marco what are you talking about i this know seems... right like because we already have the thing is they're in there the variables are in there already they just aren't activated by the user so like let us you know ma- let us make parameterized intents and shortcuts anyway good luck everybody getting everything you want thanks for listening to our wish lists and we will talk to you in two weeks yeah and if you run into us or see us next week by all means say hi it's always nice to uh, interact with listeners absolutely bye everyone bye